Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and the Eagles have a win streak going on and are prepping for a battle for the NFC East on Sunday as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 157. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell to discuss what we saw from the Eagles in their win over the Washington Redskins. This was a fun game to break down on both sides of the ball, so Greg and I will catch up about what we saw on Monday Night Football and then dig into this week week's pivotal matchup against those Dallas Cowboys. Next up, we will transition to my scouting report where I'll go through my notes on rookie linebacker Leighton Vander Esch and what I thought of him coming out of Boise State this spring and how he's transitioned so far in the NFL. But before we get into any of that, let's not waste any more time. I caught up with Greg Cosell this week to discuss the Eagles, that win over Washington, and how this team will match up with the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining us once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, none other than NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Joining us over the phone this week, obviously Greg and I watched the game on Monday night, so he and I joined, uh, joined together to watch the game live, but then uh, watched the film separately this morning. Now I want to catch up here over the phone and kind of share our thoughts, and Greg, it was a really fun game to kind of go back and watch, and you know, just talking with you just off camera here a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously defensively, they only played 50 plays. It was a very efficient game for the Eagles' defense. Obviously, Washington uh, very much shorthanded from a personnel standpoint. But let's talk about this Eagles' offense because I thought there were a lot of really interesting takeaways. What would be the number one thing for you coming away from watching the All 22 of the Eagles' offense and the win on Monday night for you watching this offense against Washington? The number one takeaway, wow. Um, well, I, I think what we're seeing over the last two weeks is clearly that there's now a commitment to running the ball because we've seen Josh Adams over the last two weeks do something that not a lot of NFL backs do, quite frankly, these days, who are, unless you're really viewed as a big-time feature back, and that's carry the ball 20-plus times in consecutive games. And, uh, you know, it was obviously a game that they pulled away late, but it was a close game for the most part. So I think the commitment to the run game probably stands out. And I think given the nature of their offense, and you and I have discussed this, that's critical. Even if you don't have a big time back, and I think Adams is a nice player and has done extremely well, um, no one is certainly going to compare him to Todd Gurley or Zeke Elliott or David Johnson or those kinds of backs, but I think, you know, given his running skill set, he's done extremely well, and they're certainly showing a commitment to it. Yeah, I think a big part of that is also the efficiency. I mean, they did a great job on first down. They did a good yep. job on second and ten. You know, when they needed yards, they were able to to pick things up and stay ahead of the sticks, make sure they got into more third and manageable situations. And I thought that that really helped. You know, it gives Doug Peterson that confidence. Even on that 12-play drive, I mean, before the touchdown throw to Golden Tate to open the game, it was five straight runs, uh, yep. you know, leading into that play in the red zone. So, no, uh, I think, you know, we talked about that even um, – uh, I forget what game it was where they also had five straight runs ending with an Adams one-yard touchdown. Was that the week prior? Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I think that that's critical because, look, you and I both know, and, and that's the reality of, the, of what they have, that they're not a big play offense right now. They don't really push it down the field in the pass game, uh, and that's, in a sense, by design because they don't have the weapons to do so. They'll, they'll take a shot play attempt here and there, but it, it's not really an intermediate and deeper passing game. So if you're going to play a sustaining offense kind of game, then you need your run game to at least get those, you know, three, four, five yards. And I think you hit it on the head. That's one reason, too, on third down, they were 7 for 13 in this game. Yeah, I think when you put yourself in those third manageables, it, it makes it a lot easier to call plays. I mean, I, I don't have the, the run pass counts in front of me on third down, but I got to venture that they ran for a couple first downs on third down as well. But, uh, Greg, I think what was interesting, too, is we saw – you know, some multiplicity there in the run game as well. I mean, they leaned on the, you saw the inside zone. They saw some outside zone. You saw the, obviously the sprint draw for Darren Sproles on his yep. touchdown, but uh, they worked in a couple of wham traps. They worked in uh, a couple of different concepts there in the run game that they were able to lean on it and pick up some big yards. And, and really to me, the blocking up front was really, really impressive as well in this game. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I think, you know, a second takeaway is I thought that the uh, they showed a very multiple and effective screen game. Yeah. And I think that's another – because the screen game, you can make the argument that it's really part of the run game to some degree because of the nature of the, of the pass. So, uh, you know, I thought that that was really significant because ultimately what we're dealing with is an offense that needs to stay on schedule because they're not a chunk play offense. So if they start getting behind the sticks, it gets very, very difficult for them. And we've seen that happen throughout the course of the season, which is obviously one reason why they haven't put up a lot of points. And theoretically, they could have, they could have put up a lot of points last night because they had those two red zone drives, one that ended in the fourth down that didn't convert and the other in the interception. So they were truly in position last night, which we've not been able to say, Fran, in recent weeks, where they could have put up 40. Uh, now, obviously, it didn't happen, but they were in position to do that. Yeah, to me, it's funny you bring up the screen game because I, I thought they did a really good job. The second half, they ran a lot of screens, and I thought that they did a really good job of marrying those screen looks with plays that they showed early in the game yeah, or even plays that they've shown on film. I know that the one that they really want to have back was that attempted screen in the fourth quarter to Dallas Goddard uh, where that was off of that same uh, that same jet sweep, you know, deep wheel route to the running back kind of play that, you know, we've talked about numerous times, the play that they hit Wendell Smallwood on against the Indianapolis Colts for the touchdown, the same play uh, that they threw uh, where Jalen Ramsey got the pick out in London, uh, you know, down the field. They had run that play a couple of times over the course of the season. This is the first time we've seen this all around the league I've never seen a team run a, a tight end screen on the backside of it. The Eagles ran it, and if, the, if Carson had held onto the ball just a tick sooner or just put a little bit more touch on it or if Dallas had just released a little bit wider out, whatever it is, if they had just got the timing on a little bit better, that would have gone for a long touchdown in the screen game. I thought they did a really good job of marrying a lot of those, uh, those looks in the run game and the pass game with some of those screens. Well, it's funny because you know the screen game, I guess you can look at multiple ways, and I think the Eagles do – a lot of these things, as, as more and more teams are doing now in the screen game, that's the thing. The screen game and, and the multiplicity of it has really become a common theme throughout the league. You can do what you say where you marry it up, or you can create the whole misdirection deception concept, which, you know, the Eagles do both of those things, but this has really become prevalent in the league. 
Yeah, and everybody's been involved at the screen game. It's Golden Tate, it's Corey Clement, it's, you know, obviously Darren Sproles wasn't featured last night, but we know what he can do in the screen game. Uh, you know, uh, Dallas Goddard, Zach Gertz has caught a couple screen paths. I mean, all those guys have been effective and have been used in those ways. Nelson Aguilar, of course. So uh, it's going to be really interesting just to see how they're able to continue to expand the screen game uh, and use that to their advantage moving forward because, honestly, I, I would expect it to continue this week against Dallas because that's an aggressive front that you would try typically to you know, try and suck up field with, you know, with some of that action well, and get them over the top. We'll get to this, but that'll be a big test. The, the style with which the Eagles play, uh, the way they've evolved this given season with the talent they have is, is going to be put to the test against Dallas because of the quality of Dallas' defense and Dallas' ability to, to line up and play man coverage. Mm. Yeah, so let me let me ask you this because you know this defensive front we talked about it last week for Washington. That front three is really really good. Matt Ioannidis obviously didn't play, but you know Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, those guys are very very impressive. I thought the Eagles' offensive line pretty much handled those two guys last night. What was most impressive for you watching this Eagles' offensive line on Monday night? You know, I think it was to me it was just a combination of, of the Eagles doing a really nice job inside, and I thought that. I was I was impressed more than I thought I would be with the way Josh Adams ran on some of those inside runs because I thought that th- there were times he showed a little bit of lateral agility and quickness and I thought there were other times he sort of grinded it out. Now, you know, I think there's always some runs with him because he's not really a, a make-you-miss-in-space guy that you think, oh, if he just, you know, broke that tackle, man, that would have been a 30-yard run. But I thought that he fought, he ran hard, you know, most backs, as you know, Fran, the more they carry the ball, the more they, they get into rhythm, and the more they can grind it out. And I thought he sort of developed that a bit last night. Um, there's a lot of people who believe, uh, and, and I've had conversations with coaches about this, that if your O-line can give you enough that you can have a solid run game even if you don't have a great back. And, and I think that that's kind of where the Eagles are right now. And I think it's the right move for this team. Let's talk about the pass game a little bit outside of the screen game because uh, you know certainly they were able to hook up on some on some nice chunk p- plays here uh, in the passing game through the air. You had the deep ball to Nelson Aguilar, but a lot of intermediate throws. Uh, but let, let's just talk about Carson Wentz in a vacuum. What did you think of Carson in this game? I thought he was up and down. I thought he made some really good throws, and I thought he missed some. And he, the question becomes against better competition – if he plays like that, will it hurt him? Uh, the one thing I love about Wentz is when he does miss throws, he does have amnesia, yep. and he'll come back and he stays aggressive and he still turns it loose, and I think that's critical to play well at quarterback in the league. Um, but overall, um, a couple of things stood out. He was not sacked in the game. I, he was sacked one time, but it was a penalty, so there was no official sack. Uh, and I think that was the result of two things. I thought far more efficient O-line play, and I thought the quick game foundation of the Eagles' pass game, which is essentially what they are. There's not a lot of deep drops here. It's efficient. It's, it's rhythm-based. It's get the ball out, whether it's you know quick outs, obviously even on that uh, throw to Tate where he went for 32 no yards. You know, it's a pr- pretty quick throw, yep. but all that inside stuff with, with Ertz and, and Goddard's a part of that, the, the throw to Ertz where they did kind of the double post and, and Ertz you know, ran the, the, the really nice route. You know, they do such a good job with those kinds of things, but it's all rhythm-based. That's what their pass game is. 
I'm so glad you brought up the Golden Tate catch because, yeah, to me, that was just a great example of just how decisive Carson's looked really since over the last two weeks. I thought he was really good last week as well, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. The first play of the game, the first throw to Zach Ertz over the middle of the field, he kind of sliced that in. throw, by the way. Yeah, between multiple zone defenders, (laughs) and he stuck it in there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, look, you and I have talked quarterbacks for a long time, and I personally think in the NFL one trait quarterbacks need to have is the willingness to turn it loose. And I know when I watch quarterbacks, and sometimes you don't get a great read of that when you watch college quarterbacks based on the offenses that they run uh, and that they come from, but I think in the NFL you've got to be willing to turn it loose. And, you know, I think that Carson Wentz has no problem with that at all. And, you know, every once in a while you miss one or you make a bad throw, um, but, you know, I think when, when all said and done, you have got to be able to do that. You know, we talk about Zach Ertz and that, that first throw. We, he obviously, look, he's having a record-breaking season. He set the Eagles' uh, all-time record for catches in a single season last night against the Washington Redskins, breaking Brian Westbrook's mark. I think when you look at Zach, and we talked about this on the kickoff show with Chris McPherson on PhiladelphiaEagles.com Monday night, in that, you know, he asked, you know, what's – What's going into this production? Why, why has Zach been so productive? And I kind of broke it down into three areas for him. I said, look, you've got obviously Zach's ability as a route runner is what sets him apart. That's what makes him one of the best in the league. So you've got his ability. You've got the coaching staff's ability to create situations for him uh, where he's wide open. You mentioned that, uh, that double post play where he's open in the middle of the field. You know, plays like that. Obviously the RPO game on the backside of slants, there, you know, on slants and things like that. But then also uh, Carson's faith and trust in him in the middle of the field. I think all three of those obviously play into the fact that he's been the most productive tight end in football. Is there any other aspect you could kind of think that that probably sums it up in terms of Ertz and his production so far this year? Well, I think that, and we've discussed this, I think that he's a terrific route runner with a great feel for leverage versus man coverage where he has an understanding of how to create separation using his body, using his head, using all all his body parts to create separation. And I think that he's really good at that. And the other thing, again, zone, he's really good at understanding where the voids are, but not only understanding where the voids are, but getting into those voids within the timing of the route and the drop. That's critical because a lot of guys can find the voids, but if they don't find them within the timing of the quarterback's drop, then the quarterback moves on because he's got to move on because his internal clock goes off. So I think one thing Ertz does exceptionally well is find those voids and zone coverages within timing so that he's, he presents himself to the quarterback within the structure of the play design. Greg, you know one of my big takeaways watching this morning, and it's interesting because you know, the, production, the production doesn't catch your eye or anything, but... I think Dallas Goddard's going to be a really good player in the NFL. Like I, I think he's he's got the ability to be really, really good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so too. You know, and we always talk about him getting more involved in the pass game, and I think that will come. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know what Ertz is, and right now, you know, he's the number one guy. Um, you know, it, it, it's a pass game right now that is obviously very Ertz-based, and. We know that he's going to, he, he likely will break Jason Witten's record, barring injury, of 110 receptions in a single season. Uh, and, and he's the guy. Um, they don't have a ton on the outside right now, or, or they're not using him as much as we might have thought they would. Um, but we'll see how it goes as we play the final four games. But it'll be interesting as they go forward, because obviously teams play with two tight ends, but it's normally hard for two tight ends to, to both catch a ton of balls. 
because no matter how much you like both tight ends, it's still hard to put two tight ends out there in a lot of longer yardage situations. You can do it sometimes, but it can't be your foundation on third and eight. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they're used. And I thought we did see a little bit more. I didn't I didn't chart this or anything, but it seemed like we saw a little bit more for, in terms of eleven personnel, one tight end set with uh, with Dallas Goddard last night. But yeah, um, we did. Yeah. I thought so too. I didn't you know I didn't chart it, but I thought so too. Now. Again, they could start doing some more of that just sure. as we go forward. Um, but obviously, you don't want Ertz off the field too much no. because he's so good. But, you know, I think Goddard has a chance to be a really good player. You know, you can make the argument Ertz is sneaky athletic, um, but you can make the argument that Goddard is just more purely athletic. He's more explosive. I mean, you see him when he yeah. lines up, but when he lines up at X ISO and he gets out of his stance, I mean, he, he picks up yardage in a hurry. He's a, absolutely he's a better blocker. I mean, right now, that's not even a question. Well, that's not a strength of, 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 of that course. scheme. And I think he, everybody knows that. We're not saying something out of school no. here. You know, he's not a great inline blocker. Yeah, no question. I'm really excited about Goddard's future and what, and what he's going to be here in Philadelphia. And then Golden Tate, you know, we saw his first touchdown uh, as an Eagle. He caught all seven of his targets, eight if you include the two-point conversion. What, what did you see from Golden Tate? Any overall reactions to watching it back on film? Um. You know, nothing, I guess, that I learned about Golden Tate. I'm sure you didn't feel like you learned no. anything new. Um, you know, you just would like to see him involved in the offense as he was. Um, I, I think that 32-yarder, I believe that was a third-down play, was it not? It was, yes, I believe yeah, so. so you, you know, I thought that was a good example of doing what they do because they lined him up with a minus split, very hard to play out routes for corners, quick out routes on a, in a, from a minus split situation. So that sort of fits what the Eagles do. And they got him the ball, you know, once got it out within time, within structure. And that's what, what Tate does exceptionally well. He's, he's always been as good a run-after-catch wide receiver as there's been in the league. He's essentially built like a running back. I believe he was one when he went to Notre Dame. So, you know, he's very good run-after-catch. You want to get him the ball. Theoretically and practically, he fits what their offense has become this season, which is quicker throws, get the ball out, and and give your receiver a chance to do something with the ball. I think a lot of people will be very quick to say, oh, you know, he's finally in the, in the rhythm of the Eagles offense. He, he, he fit, he's fit into the Eagles offense. I do feel like it felt, it felt good. It felt natural last night, right? Like it did, nothing felt like oh, super, like, oh, they're, they're trying to squ- squeeze a square peg into a round hole no, or anything no, like no, that no. last night. It felt, no. it felt good last night watching that, and especially watching it back on film this morning. It felt like he was in the flow of the game. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that was kind of, you know, it just looked like he was part of the offense. And yeah. I think that's, look, he's essentially, in this offense, because of Aguilar and Tate, who are probably at their core both slot receivers, but they're their best receivers, uh, they're part of the three best, so you need them both out there at the same time. So ultimately, one's going to line up outside, one's going to line up in the slot, so they'll line up in both spots. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. There was a lot of good stuff there offensively. How about defensively, Greg? Because, you know, the, there's obviously you had the long run from Adrian Peterson, 90 yards, but he failed to reach the century mark. He didn't get 10 yards in the rest of his carries yeah. uh, overall. I thought that the, the defense looked pretty good. There were some good things. I'll say one guy that really stood out to me was Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, in a lot of ways, I thought he was really, really impressive in the run game. Did a lot of things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet uh, in terms of taking on blockers or being a force player and forcing the running back to cut back across the grain. I think he did a lot of those kinds of things in this game. Well, 
the other guy who kind of stood out to me, and and uh, I don't know what you thought. Um, maybe I just happened to notice him on the, the, the specific plays because I know, as you, you can't watch every guy on every play. Um, but I thought Nate Gary yeah. did a pretty good job in the run game when, I he, agree. when he was the mic in the in the base. You know, I thought there were times he stepped up, he read it well, he played off some blocks, he was willing to stick it up in there. Um, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I would agree with you. He, there was a couple shots that I'm going to be posting uh, on Twitter over the course of the next couple of days where, you know, you saw him press the line of scrimmage quickly. Uh, yep. You know, he was able to take on blocks. He showed a little bit of an ability to get off blocks. That had been a little bit of an Achilles heel for him over the course of his uh, short career so far, but showed the ability to attack the line of scrimmage and finish. I thought uh, Nate probably had a, one of his best games that I've seen, and then especially, obviously, the interception as well. But I thought the run game stuff was even more important. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I noticed. I, I just thought... You know, because when you're looking at a guy who's a converted safety, obviously he's not naturally 235 pounds or 240 pounds. Um, and, he's, and, and while being physical as a safety is a whole different deal than being physical in the box. And I thought he did a nice job of being physical in the box. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a fun game to go back and watch defensively because, look, like I said earlier, the, the Redskins were certainly shorthanded, but uh, a lot to take I away, I thought. One other guy that I, again, you know, being honest, I'm not, I didn't chart him on every play. But I thought Sayamalu played a nice game in left guard. I don't know if you were watching him, you know, in, in any detail. But I thought he played a pretty efficient game because he's always been a guy to me that has made nice plays, but it had too many snaps where you go, oh, he need he needs to be better overall. And I thought last night he played well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I thought that was probably one of his more consistent games. That's what I for thought. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good call. Um, all right, well, let's talk about this matchup because obviously a battle for first place right now uh, here Sunday afternoon down in Dallas with the Cowboys. Uh, and we'll start with this Eagles defense going up against the Dallas offense. You know, and that offense funnels through Ezekiel Elliott, run game, pass game. Uh, we last saw Dallas just a few weeks ago. So, you know, there are listeners that listen every week certainly may remember a lot of what we said then. But let's just give a quick identity really on this Dallas offense. And really, we'll start with that run game. Well, I don't think there's a lot of mystery to the Dallas offense. Um, you know, I think that they're pretty much old school. I think that, you know, when you look at them, and, and, and you can look at the glass game they played as well, any game really that they play well, it showcases what their offensive profile is, Fran. It's a run game foundation. They try to be efficient with the pass game. Uh where Prescott is not really asked to do too much, and the and the concepts don't ask him to do too much. Uh, for the most part, the run game does not feature a ton of misdirection and deception. They have some. Every team does, but it's not really about that. Um, you know, I think they try to, like the Eagles, they, they're very good in the screen game, and I think that's something you really have to be aware of when you play them. Elliott's a big factor in the screen game. And and that's where they probably do more of the misdirection and deception than any other part of their offense. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think so. And remember, he did hurt the Eagles through the air in this past, uh, a few weeks ago. Right. So, But I think in terms of, of their profile, you know what they are. They're going to run a lot of isolation routes. And I think it depends on who plays corner for the Eagles. Um, you know, I, I, I guess is Jalen Mills, I know we're speaking on Tuesday and they, they haven't, 
you know, gone out on the practice field yet. But from what you understand, is he close to being ready? Could he be playing this week? I feel like I wasn't at Doug's press conference on Tuesday. I believe he said he was still day-to-day. Uh, so we'll see. I think we're still at the way for later Because I think one area of potential concern, and we're just this, we're just basing it on film study. You know, that's what we do, is it would be Rasul Douglas. Um, Obviously, he had some issues in the first matchup against the Cowboys on that final game-winning uh, drive of the Cowboys. He got beat inside by Cooper on a beautiful route by Cooper, and then he got beat playing press man by Hearns. Very similar route concept to what he got beat last night uh, in a, at the end of the first half by Josh Doxson. Yep. So, you know, I think that that would be a little bit of a concern, but... You know, that's what the Cowboys do. They're very much of a isolation individual route team. Now that they have Cooper, who is a big-time route runner, um, it kind of raises the level of everybody else, and they, can, they win man-to-man. They try to win man-to-man. That's their approach. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk about Amari Cooper. and you know, do, Well, do you try and give Rizal help if he lines up to that side? That's where the, the aspect of Ezekiel Elliott comes into play. And you guys yep. say, all right, well, you can't play you know, an extra man in the box if you're going to you know, use an extra man to help Razul against Amari Cooper. So the Eagles are going to have to kind of pick their poison when it comes well, to that. Well, the other issue is, you know, what do the Eagles do, let's say, on third down, you know, uh, second and long, third and long. Obviously, they still play dime this week, and, and obviously Mills changes the, the personnel out there if they stay dime. But is this potentially where they might view Zeke as a bigger threat in those situations as a receiver than the tight end. And maybe they put Jenkins on Zeke as opposed to Jenkins on the tight end. You know, look, we saw we saw the uh, Cowboys last week against New Orleans go with Dime and play man on third down just so they could get Jordan Lewis, a true corner, matched on Alvin Kamara. So, you know, there's always ways that you can sort of mix and match if need be, and you can also do it based on formation, based on route concepts, based on releases, but you could see Malcolm Jenkins, I would think, at times on on Elliott. Yeah, that wouldn't shock shock me at all, because we've seen it in the past, you know, the Super Bowl, he was with James White for a long part of the time, and we've seen him match up with running backs in the past, but then also uh, this past week, I mean, they played pretty much any passing down. It was third and long. The Eagles weren't going to be in dime, and, and so I, we saw some big nickel in there as well, but uh, that was kind of the primary sub-package when it was third down or, you know, no, second they really dime. Long. I mean, I was looking to see, you know, how much they did it because, you know, I noticed last night when watching, but I wasn't charting how many times they did it, yeah. but it was pretty much the way they went on third down, and uh, they even continued to play the three-robber concept at one point. They had Sullivan. I think that was at a nickel, but they had Sullivan as the robber. Um, so, no, they they pretty much did what they do. And then, of course, as the game progressed, as you got later and later, they sort of played softer stuff just because um, Washington needed a lot to, to get back in the game. And with yeah. Mark Sanchez at quarterback, I don't think they, you know, I think they felt pretty confident that that was not going to happen. Uh, and then, I guess, really, we'll talk about the, the matchups in the trenches. You know, you look at this Dallas offensive line, uh, you know, it looks like they, I believe they're getting, Ty, they've gotten Tyron Smith back. Uh, overall thoughts on this group as they head into this matchup? Well, it's turned out to be, you know, a good group. And here's a good example where, you know, a great back makes an offensive line. I mean, Zeke, to me, is, is the best pure runner in the league. And he's your classic case of a guy that, you know, he's 
just a pure sustainer, as well as obviously having some big playability. But, I mean, he's the kind of back that you'll look up, and it doesn't seem like there's much there, and he gains six. He's the classic runner like that, and, and that allows them to play the way they want to play. So I think the O-line, I don't think it's a great O-line. Like, I don't know what their plan is for Connor Williams, who was actually active this past week and, and got some snaps in, in six O-line personnel. Yeah. Uh, they've been playing Xavier Suafilo at left guard, and you know I think he's very up and down, very erratic. He's particularly tough in, in pass protection. He, he struggles there a lot. He's better in the run game, but in an ideal world, I don't know where they stand on Connor Williams, but I, I think the Eagles you know, can at times take advantage of this group, and they're going to have to to some degree. Obviously, the last time they played on November 11th, Elliott had a big, big game. I think it would be hard for the Eagles to really win this game if Elliott's going to run for 150. Yeah, I think you really need that group to kind of win those one-on-one matchups up front. And we talked about that the last couple of weeks. I certainly did two weeks ago against the New York Giants, but I think that's going to be prevalent again here in this matchup. So uh, let's look to the other side now because this Dallas defense, it's pretty impressive. The, the turnaround that they've had the last couple of years is really interesting. They've got talent at all three levels. I would agree, uh, and I think they're a really good defense, um, and I think that you hit it on the head. They're good at all three levels, and I don't think they're tactically complex. Um, I, you know, I think they're predominantly a four-man D-line pass rush. They do stun a lot, multiple stunt concepts, um, and that's something that you have to be able to handle because they're good at it and they do it. Uh, when, when they're in their longer yardage group, it's usually Gregory and Lawrence at defensive end, and, and they both can rush the quarterback with some speed and some moves. Um, it, it's a good group. And then, uh, you know, of course, when they're in their nickel, you have Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, and the, those guys have proven to be really, really good as a duo. Vander Esch, the rookie, has, has turned out to be a really good player. He's long. He's athletic. You know, you don't realize he's six four and a half, two hundred fifty six pounds. Right. I mean, that's a big man, and he covers ground. He may not look super smooth all the time, but he covers a lot of ground. And Jalen Smith, while I think at times he can be um, a little reckless and undisciplined, you're still dealing with a with a high level athlete who's who's improved as the years gone on with his return from the, the brutal injury, and he really moves well. So they're very good, and I think that. I think their corners are solid. I mean, I, I, look, Byron Jones is a good player. We don't need to t- spend a lot of time on him. But I think Awuzie's actually played pretty well over the last month. Yeah, I would agree. He, ha- he has flashed a little bit. So, you know, and we always look. It's always easy to talk about Jeff Heath because he's not a high-level athlete. But I think for their system and what he's asked to do, and even when he, you know, in some ways, this is an odd, maybe it's not an odd comparison. In some ways, he reminds me of Patrick Chung. Because for years, you'd look at Patrick Chung, and people in Philly remember the year he was here when he was out of here in no time at all, and you think, boy, he's not really that great an athlete. You know, he's, he, you can exploit him. And you keep saying that, and you keep saying that, and then the guy's in the league for 10 years, and he ends up being a valuable piece of a good defense. Yeah, and I think it's. I think he's going to be the primary tight end matchup guy, right? And that's a guy that you he normally is, unless they, you know, like I said, they want to make a change, and you know, who knows? I mean, you never know. I mean, when you look at this, obviously they didn't do anything dramatic week, um, you know, November 11th, but who knows? I mean, obviously in years past, when Byron Jones was not a corner and a safety, he was always the tight end matchup. Right, yeah, it's going to be uh, it'll be fun from that standpoint. And then you look in the trenches. the The biggest personnel change we've seen 
or at least that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, is that uh, it looked like Taco Charlton. I know he got banged up, but um, not starting for Dallas. They moved Tyrone Crawford out to right end, and they moved Malik Collins back into the starting lineup. And it seems like they're getting a little bit more from that. So Crawford's a really good run defender, uh, particularly when he lines up outside, um, you know, and opposite to Marcus Lawrence, who's a really good pass rusher. Uh, the, I mean, those guys are, are pretty good. Malik Collins and Antoine Woods, they're not, you know, they're not game wreckers, but they've got the ability to change the, any kind of play because of their snap anticipation, their get-off inside. You know, Collins, you know how much I liked him coming out of Nebraska. And I think he's turned out to be a pretty good pro. You know, and every once in a while he flashes a pass rush, you know, with a spin move, with some quickness. You know, he's certainly not a big-time inside pass rusher the way we talk, you know, the way you think of the big-time inside pass rushers. But every once in a while he can win those one-on-one matchups, and you've got to be careful with him. He stays on the field in their, in their nickel-and-dime packages. Yeah, I think with that, with how aggressive they are upfield, you know, we saw the Eagles in the the last matchup. A lot of the traps, a lot of the whams, uh, the screen plays. Well, I would imagine we'll see a lot of different variations of those kinds of concepts. Anything to try and take advantage of that aggressive front. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to have to try to do that because I think, not that the Eagles are overmatched, that'd be too strong, but this is going to be a game where I think they're going to have to try to create and orchestrate and manufacture some plays. And yeah, do you have to line up and just play football too? Of course you do. But I think that they're going to have to try to, like you said, misdirection, deception, whether it's getting Wentz out of the pocket on, on half boot action or full boot action, throwing it across the field, you know, doing things where they can create some big plays because I think that this defense ultimately is, is too good just to say hey here we are you know we're going to run our stuff and, and you stop it because I think the Cowboy defense is playing well enough where they'll stop it yeah I feel, I feel like if they can get into that rhythm that they've been in the last couple of weeks running the football uh, staying on the field on third down you know that's the thing is you know, people talk about run-pass ratio and stuff like that. If you could just stay on the field and get more cracks to the apple, get run more plays than the other team, uh, you know, and control the clock from that standpoint, you know, you're you're going to put you're going to move the ball. You're going to put up points. That's the nature of holding on to the football. So, uh, right. if they can and get it, you know, keep in mind that for all the Cowboys, you know, look, they just beat New Orleans, phenomenal yeah. win, and their defense was the driving force, and. Obviously, Elliott only, I think, had 76 yards. I thought the Saints actually did a very good job in the run game. Uh, and then, you know, Prescott had big com- completion percentage numbers, but they only scored one touchdown. And, you know, that's the one issue with that offense is they can that kind of offense at times cannot put up a lot of points. And so you have to – the Eagles have to make sure that the game is like that uh, because, look – we're being realistic, Fran, and that's all we can do based on tape study. Barring turnovers, barring maybe hitting a couple of big plays, which they've not really done, it's not likely the Eagles are going to put up 35 on this defense. Well, let me ask you then this question, just going from the other side of it. Uh, I purposely waited to ask you just about Dak Prescott. Overall thoughts on Dak at this point, because you know the narrative has turned a little bit, I think, nationally because the Dallas has won you know a few games sure. in a row here. Uh, overall thoughts on Dak, and then if you, I want you to put your Jim Schwartz cap on. If you're Jim Schwartz, what are your thoughts going into this game with Dak Prescott? How do you kind of limit his effectiveness? Well, I would say that just as there's no mystery to the Cowboys' offense, I don't think there's a lot of mystery about Dak Prescott. I think when all's said and done, um, he's at his best an efficient quarterback operating an offense in which he's not asked to do too much. 
I think the key part about Prescott, and this is what you have to game plan for, particularly uh, on third down, is the use of his legs. Because I think that's the in close games, and we saw it in their last game with New Orleans, when it's third and nine and he runs for ten yards, that is a killer. And I think you have to game plan for that, and you have to be aware of that. But I think, you know, and every once in a while they'll take their shot. Um, look, they threw the, um, the go ball to Gallup early in the game last And by the way, if you look at their tendencies over the last couple of years, they like to take a go ball shot early in possession, you know, first possession, second possession. You've got to be aware of that. Um, and then they'll run stutter goes because they run so many short routes that then as the game progresses, they run those routes that work off the, the quick game. So they'll run sluggo and stutter goes. Those are the things you have to be careful about. But as far as what Dak is as a quarterback, I don't think there's a lot of mystery to him. I think you have to be really careful about his legs in critical situations. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Looking forward to watching it here from the NovaCare Complex with you on Sunday. Greg Cosell, we'll talk to you next week here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Rand. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I really appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, even leave us a comment. We got a great comment this week from Carlos DB 3 who left a five-star review and a comment on our Apple Podcast page saying how this show helps him be a smarter fan of the Eagles. So, Carlos, very kind of you to say I do appreciate your support, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show going. Earlier I told you we would dive into Dallas linebacker Leighton Vanderesh and my notes on him coming out of Boise State a few months ago. He's the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Leighton Vanderesh, 6'4 and a quarter, 256 pounds, former walk-on from Riggins, Idaho, small town. He played eight-man football in high school, so this guy flew completely under the radar in recruiting circles a few years ago coming out of high school. He also ran track and was a really productive high school men's basketball player when he was younger as well. So he was an impressive athlete. He arrived on campus at Boise at 205 pounds, so he completely transformed his body over the next few years. By his junior season last year, he began became a starter for the first time, and he was tipping the scales up at over 240 pounds, became the Defensive Player of the Year in the Mountain West Conference. He put up 141 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, four pass breakups, four forced fumbles, a couple of picks. He was extremely productive after that lone season as a starter, and after being named MVP of the Mountain West Conference title game, he declared for the draft, and he went on to put on even more weight. He got up to 256 at the Combine, where he tested off the charts. So when you sit back, you're like, all right, you got a guy who was a great kid. He's a hard worker, extremely productive. He tested extremely well. So you're checking a lot of boxes. Then you get to the film and you check a lot of boxes there because, you know, when I watched him, I saw a guy who lined up primarily stacked, rarely walked out. He was primarily lined up in the box. Very tall, thick, muscular upper body, a lean lower half, very long arms, surprisingly fluid considering his size. He had loose hips, you know, easy change of direction, the ability to turn and run on command. Was one of the best overall testers at the combine. Like I said, and I thought that athleticism did show up on film. You know, he displayed strong key and diagnosis abilities as well. Very rarely 
rarely did he false step earlier in the down. He was always square to the line of scrimmage and had a good feel for slipping blocks downhill and shooting gaps. He was not a true take-on guy at the point of attack, but he almost always was in his gap at the rut fit. And overall, was just a very reliable player between the tackles. In traffic, I thought he did a good job keeping himself clean on the move. He did have some misses as a tackler, but he tried to bring his feet and wrap up. And you could tell that he was a really smart player by the way that he played in pass coverage. I was really impressed with his ability to hunt up crossers in intermediate zones. He did a good he did a good job feeling those routes coming from behind him and hugging up on the move. He had the range to turn and run with receivers down the seam, and he looked natural playing the ball in the air. And he finished for interceptions overall. Just a very natural athlete. He chased plays down from the backside. Had a very relentless nature to the way he played the game. A lot of the things you're seeing here with the Dallas Cowboys. He was used very often as a blitzer as well. He would hit the hole with power and had a knack for beating cut blocks from running backs and pass protection. Now, from a negative standpoint, I didn't see him as truly explosive athletically. I thought his burst looked average overall to close in the football. And I also didn't see a guy who consistently played to his size. I wish I saw a little bit more violence from him at the point of attack. Like I said, he wasn't a true point of attack player at the college level. He did get stuck on blocks at times downhill. And even when he was in traffic, he could get blocked one-on-one by a tight end at times. But uh, from other standpoint, you know, the, you know, dynamic running backs could target him in man coverage in theory. But like Greg said, I mean, he'll surprise you with the way he moves. There were times where he He's gotten matched up so far his his rookie year with wide receivers down the field and doesn't look completely lost. He does a pretty nice job in space. So this is a big-bodied kid that I wrote back in the spring. Big-bodied kid who doesn't always play to his frame, but he had the instincts and the character you want on the inside at Mike Linebacker. A high-floor kid will offer plenty of special teams in year one as a serviceable starter who flashes but by year two or year three, should be a very good player and a stalwart on defense. So looking back on it, still very, very early, but feel really good about my evaluation. He's honestly been a great player, a little bit faster than I envisioned. I did think that there would be a little bit of some growing pains there, but you know, it's not often that you get a guy who's got a really high floor and a really high ceiling. And I thought that Van Der Esch was one of those guys this spring. It's why I would have loved had he ended up here. Obviously, that was not possible when Dallas took him in the middle of the first round. But Van Der Esch is a big-time player. And at that position, uh, a guy I thought he, he would be a three-down guy in the league for a long time. Now, as we talk about the linebacker spot, let me just share one aspect aspect of that that I feel is a, a, a really a very much underrated by fans and media. And that's the ability to communicate. If you're going to be a Mike linebacker, that guy in the middle of the defense who sets the defense and gets everybody lined up, you know, the quarterback of the defense, if you will, you've got to check out off the field. And it's not about being a Boy Scout or a great guy or someone you'd want your daughter to date or anything like that. It's about being able to confidently and efficiently communicate the call to 10 moving pieces on the field on the fly with 60,000 fans screaming at the top of their lungs in a two-minute drill. You've got to be able to know all the checks, all the alerts, all the tips, all the things that get instituted into a weekly game plan from Tuesday all the way up through halftime and the corrections that are made on the sideline. You've got to have to be able to catalog all that information in your brain, all that storage space to retain that information, and then to recall it rather quickly, you know, recite it confidently, get your teammates lined up, snap in, snap out. From everyone I talked to this spring, that was something that everyone knew Van Der Esch would excel at. He was an extremely smart football player. He knew his own defense like the back of his hand at Boise, and that kind of thing shows up on film. I know Greg has mentioned in the past how he's compared him to a guy like Luke Keekley, and I get it. You know, He's the total package on and off the field, and if you're trying to project linebackers to the NFL, to me, 
they must check that box if they're going to be a starting Mike linebacker. You might be able to get away with it, you know, if you're a weak side guy or a strong side backer and you're taking the calls from somebody else, but you can't be the guy inside if you're not excelling at that trait. And honestly, if you're not excelling at that trait, I don't think I can talk about you in round one as an off-the-ball backer. It doesn't matter how athletic or how powerful or how talented you are. We could talk about all the on-field traits for the linebacker position, but this off-field trait is as important as any that I can draw up. So Leighton Van Der Esch, a very, very intriguing player, a guy that's going to be a good player for that defense for a long, long time. So great stuff this week from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And one more time, take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Line, the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.